Some of the best basketball being played right now in the women's game might be in leagues that you have not heard much about and very, very rarely look up. But don't worry, we are digging into the mid-majors, and it all starts today, right now. Ogumba Wallet for the win! You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Happy Monday, friends. It is January 9th, 2023. I am Missy Heydrich, National Women's Basketball Correspondent at The Next. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Missy Heydrich, and then be sure to also follow this podcast on Twitter at Locked On WBB. And then you've got to go over to at The Next Hoops to follow the next and then find us online at www.thenexthoops.com. We have got you covered. All right, conference play is in full swing all across the country, and this week's women's basketball AP poll is a direct reflection of that. But that's just 25 or 30 teams you see on that list. There is some serious basketball being played in the mid-major conferences across the country, and we are going to dive into that today. The teams that are standing out, the quiet ones that just keep winning and stay under the radar, and players who are making noise as some of the very best talent that we see day in and day out across the country. That's what we've got today, so let's get after it. Let's take a moment, though, and kind of look at where everyone talks about the mid-major world. And we have to think of it, as most coaches do as well, kind of their seasons in three parts. Their non-conference, their conference, and then conference tournament. Because in almost every incidence, in a few cases, uh, depending on the year and what the competition level has been like, most mid-major leagues are going to be one bid league. Someone gets that automatic qualifying bid into the NCAA tournament by winning their conference tournament. So coaches look at it and say, we're going to schedule hard. We're going to give ourselves a chance. We're going to raise our net ranking. We're going to see what everybody's, what we think we can do on a bigger scale. You really focus your energy. You play at a high level during the conference season, chasing that regular season conference title, and then put yourself in a position to peak at the very best moments in your conference postseason tournament to get that automatic bid. In some instances, you may have a chance for an at-large, depending on how the season is goes. But when it's a one-hit wonder for most mid-major leagues, you've got to be ready to play at the right time. Now, one of the other pieces for what we're seeing all across the country in college basketball, in both the women's and in the men's game, is, is that we know that there is that word that sometimes freaks people out, and they call it parity. And that parity is a trickle-down effect. But yes, the best talent, the brightest talent, ends up at some of the top P5 programs. Number one, South Carolina, Notre Dame, UConn, Stanford. We know this. However, the one thing that you will find in the mid-major universe is that these are a lot of older leagues with experienced players and veteran squads. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that we have to take into effect the fact that the COVID global pandemic is still impacting what we see in college basketball and in college sports in general. So you've got players that are using that fifth year of eligibility. Maybe they decide to transfer from somewhere else, but they are still playing basketball 
Or maybe you have a quote-unquote third-year sophomore, someone who had the COVID year, then you come back, and then here they are again as that third-year sophomore. Great experience, veteran players. They understand what it takes to win on the road. They understand the grind of their regular conference season and how important it is to be playing your very best basketball when you get to those postseason tournaments. There's also a lot of new faces all across mid-major leagues. There's new coaches in these leagues. And we've got new teams because we've had conference realignment. The trickle-down effect continues. Take, for existence, the Missouri Valley. We'll talk about that in just a moment. So things look different all across the country, top to bottom, AP poll or not. This is an ever-changing season, and 22-23 is no different. I also would encourage everybody to go to collegeinsider.com. They put out a mid-major poll. It drops every Tuesday. It talks to you about the top 25 teams in mid-majors. But one thing you got to remember, and what one thing that might surprise some people, is you'll look at that list and you'll see someone with four losses, maybe five. Say, well, how could someone be ranked in a top 25 poll if they got four or five losses? Well, this takes into effect who they've played and what they did in their non-conference. That's incredibly important because if there is one thing I know that you're going to have teams that are willing to be challenged, they'll go on the road. They'll take a home and home or they'll take a one game setup or go to a neutral site tournament in Cancun or the Bahamas and surprise people. Those are sometimes the matchups that coaches don't necessarily want to see, but those mid-majors, they're willing to take on the challenge. And I absolutely appreciate that. So let's dive in a little bit. Talk about some of these leagues off the bat who maybe are setting the tone, surprising us a moment. The one I want to start with is the Ivy League. People might think we're going to stay on the East Coast to start. Might think, well, that's a little bit different. But the one thing about the Ivy League to me is it's incredibly intriguing and very good basketball. My colleague at the next, Jen Hatfield, she covers the Ivy League and she does an outstanding job. Go read her work, follow her on Twitter because she will keep you up to date on everything Ivy League. But Princeton, they have been the story the last few years. Carla Peruby, the head coach there for the Tigers, they had a great run last year into the NCAA tournament. But yet they had a loss earlier, their first conference loss in a very long time. December 31st on New Year's Eve, they lose to Harvard and then really just didn't have the bounce back that they needed and lose again to Columbia. They beat them 55 to 55 in overtime. Columbia had lost 27 straight games to Princeton and they get the better of them in that overtime win. So who's leading the league right now? Well, to a little bit of a surprise for some, it's Penn. They're currently 3-0. They then went and knocked off Columbia, who had just beat Princeton. They beat them 71-67. to So the ever-changing world of the Ivy League, will it look like this in 68 weeks? Not 100% sure. Does Princeton have the firepower and the players to be able to make that run for their league title and in the conference tournament? Absolutely. But what I like about the Ivy League is this is an incredibly balanced league, and you're going to see great basketball night in and night out. All right, now we've got to go west, and we're going to go all the way out to the West Coast Conference. And this is also covered at the next by my awesome colleague, Matthew Walter. He does a great job, and he will tell you everything you need to know, all the nuts and bolts, right down into the details about the WCC. But the team that leads right now out in the West Coast Conference is ranked in the top 25 AP poll, and that is the Gonzaga Bulldogs. They're 16-2 and on the year. They are 6-0 and right now in the West Coast Conference. However, there is somebody sitting right below them nipping at their heels, and yes, it is not 
BYU. That may surprise some people. That has always been the matchup in the WCC. Gonzaga, BYU, BYU, Gonzaga. But nope, it is Portland. Portland is 12 and 5 on the year, and they are also 6 and 0. Both of these teams, they've got the week off. They're going to play Saturday, January 14th at Portland. This is an incredibly even matchup, I think, with some outstanding scores and playmakers on both teams. Here's the numbers to think about. Gonzaga, they average about 73 points a game. They give up just around 59 a game. Portland, they score about 71 a game, and they give up just about 63 points a game. So if you want to talk even on a stat sheet, that absolutely is true. But when that ball goes up and this becomes what I think will be a very good rivalry in the WCC, this is where Gonzaga is going to have to prove whether or not they can stay in that top 25 on a national scale. All right, in just a moment, we are going to talk about some of the top mid-major players making their mark right now. Some you may know and some you may not, and that is okay. We're going to tell you all about it. But first, a message from our friends at TurboTax. TurboTax has experts who can help you relieve you from the stress of taxes and file for you so you can do not your taxes. Doesn't that sound great? With the TurboTax 100% expert guarantee, an expert will do your taxes from start to finish so you can relax. It feels good to be done with your taxes, doesn't it? So come to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. Intuit TurboTax. Full service products only. Video meeting while experts do your does your taxes is required. See the guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Hi, everybody. I am Missy Heydrich, and thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen today. And don't forget to go see us at The Next Hoops, www.thenexthoops.com. We've got you covered on everything related to college basketball, all the different leagues across the country, but also news and notes, international basketball, WNBA, everything you need to know. We've got it for you at The Next. All right, I want to switch gears. I don't necessarily want to talk as much about the leagues and maybe some of the teams, but we've got to start talking about some of the talent. Let's talk about some of the players in this league. Now, just a few years ago in 2020, the Becky Hammond Mid-Major Player of the Year Award was started. As we all know, Becky Hammond, she is now a WNBA champion as a head coach of the Las Vegas Aces, but she played her college basketball at Colorado State. And Becky Hammond has been known to be one of, was one of the best players in the mid-major world back then. Rightly so, should have an award named after her. Now, the first one was given out in 2020, and that inaugural was the inaugural winner was Sierra Duffy from South Dakota. In 21 and 22, that award went to Florida Gulf Coast University's Kirsten Bell. This season, the first top 25 watch list for the Becky Hammond Award came out, and a lot of names that some people will know. And their teams are places that most people would say, yeah, these are high-quality mid-major programs. Absolutely, they're going to have somebody on this list. How about someone like Destiny Wells at Belmont or Gonzaga or Portland, Murray State, South Dakota State? These are all schools that have been on the national landscape of women's college basketball at that mid-major level. Maya Selland at South Dakota State, one of a returner. She dealt with injuries a year ago, but has come back using that COVID season and really is the backbone of the Jackrabbit season so far this year. 
Two players that we're going to talk about in just a moment, one from Gonzaga, one from Portland. We talked about that matchup that they have on the 14th. Well, I think these two are going to be front and center. I think someone who is flying a bit under the radar but is going to be part of the national conversation is Alex Fowler at Portland. The 6'2 junior was an she has been an all-conference selection the last two seasons as a freshman and as a sophomore. Right now, she's averaging about almost 18 points a game on the season, shooting 64% from the field on the year, and she leads this team in rebounding. So she is a force, and she is someone is going to be a handful defensively for Gonzaga when they match up. But this Gonzaga team is balanced. They've got four players themselves at average double figures. But one of the ones that I think is interesting, we go back to thinking about some of those experienced players and those veterans that maybe find a new home for one season to use that eligibility that absolutely has happened at Gonzaga and Brianna Maxwell. She is a six foot transfer grad grad transfer from Utah. She is tops in the nation in free throw percentage and three point percentage nationally, and has really given them another aspect and another weapon offensively for the Bulldogs. So I look for that to be an outstanding matchup when these two teams come. Now, the Missouri Valley, I think they are chock full of outstanding talent, top to bottom on every team. That's what makes this league so competitive, and we're going to talk about the Missouri Valley in just a moment. But one of those players is Caitlin Young from Murray State. She is on this watch list for the Becky Hammond Award for 2023. She's averaging almost 21 points a game so far this year. She's been named the Missouri Valley Player of the Week multiple times. But this is not news for Caitlin Young. She was an all-conference player in the Ohio Valley before Murray State made the move to the Missouri Valley. And I think one of the things that she brings is a versatile game. She becomes a matchup problem for people with her size and her ability to rebound the basketball. I like Caitlin Young a lot, and she is really helping Murray State have a very successful season. Illinois State is led by Paige Robinson. She's averaging almost 19 plus a game so far this season. And then we talked about some of those older players again, and that would be Grace Buffelli at University of Northern Iowa. She's averaging almost 16 and a half points a game so far this year. She's one of the top players in the Missouri Valley in field goal percentage, but she is technically a third year sophomore, and that is someone with a ton of experience. Now, her name was not on that 2023 watch list for the Becky Hammond Award, but I have a feeling at the next iteration of that, I think you're going to see Grace Buffelli on that list because she is one of those players who just continues to make her mark and giving you and I an opportunity to be in ball games and position themselves right now at three and one in the league. And we'll talk about the Missouri Valley in just a moment. Another player from the Missouri Valley, Destiny Wells of Belmont. Now, this is a Belmont squad who saw their ups and downs. They played a, such a gauntlet of a tough non-conference schedule. But Coach Brooks at Belmont knows that that was to get his team ready for the challenges of the Missouri Valley. And Destiny Wells is just a playmaker. She always has been, really made the mark with Belmont in this squad on the national scale of, of what they did in the NCAA tournament a year ago. But she's a playmaker out at that guard position. I would look for her to continue to have a great year in the Missouri Valley, their first year in that league. A couple other names that strike you, we talked about Penn one of those players that has been helping lead the way for them, Kayla Padilla. She is also on this watch list for the Becky Hammond Award. And we talked about Maya Sellen, but there's also some other fantastic players. Asia Davis out of Northern Illinois, Skylar Gill, North Alabama, 
uh, we see Peyton Scott from Miami of Ohio, Sam Breen from Massachusetts. There's just great players all across the country who have the opportunity to really set the tone to be those difference makers. We're going to talk a little bit about a couple more in just a moment. We're also going to give you, I think, the cliff notes on a couple more leagues to be watching in the next month or so to see who moves up and who moves down. But first, let me tell you a little bit about one of our outstanding sponsors. So are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you have to try Built Bar. So we just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. Just like everybody, we all struggle with it. So if you want to do that, you don't want to compromise taste, then you've got to try, then I definitely have something for you. You've got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. And seriously, they're so tasty, you won't really think it's actually good for you. And it's perfect for those New Year's resolutions. It's still early in January, so we can say it's a resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're really all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're all healthy, only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about how you have to order your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to the nearest Walmart today and walk to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut props. You can do that today, and you can find them at Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, everybody. I am Missy Heidrich. Thank you so much for joining us here on Lockdown Women's Basketball. We are marching across the country talking a little bit about some of the best players in the nation at that mid-major level, but also some of the teams, the people that are continuing to stand out and who's making an impact all across the country. We, now, it is Monday, so the AP poll is out. One team ranked in the top 20. We talked about the Gonzaga Bulldogs just a little bit ago. They are off this week, and they've got a big-time matchup against the other undefeated team in the WCC Portland on January 14th. They come in at number 20. They didn't move up and down in the polls. They really stayed still. But then you've got Middle Tennessee. They've got 27 votes. They really sit them now. At, that makes them really 27th in the AP. And then South Florida with six votes as well. Those stand out as other mid-major teams this year, this week in the AP poll. Let's talk about Middle Tennessee State. This is one of those, they are in Conference USA. And it's really interesting to look at the Blue Raiders because they are 12-2 and on the year. They are 5-0 and in Conference USA. I thought they maybe would have had just enough to put themselves in the top 25 but not yet. They sit at 27 with those 27 points in the AP voting section. But they've got four players that are averaging double figures this year. And the one thing about this team is that they can score. They are going to get up and down the floor. 75.6 points per game so far in the year. But it is their defense that I think keeps teams flustered. They allow just about 57 points a game and they cause over 17 turnovers. Their next matchup, their next game for them is going to be at home on January 11th against Rice. They've already played Rice once. That was in December. Their conference game started prior to the new year. 
They won 74-68 on the road in Houston, and they're going to be looking to stay undefeated in conference play this week. But keep an eye on Middle Tennessee. This is a squad that, again, I think one of the ones that flies under the radar. that Not a lot of people are talking about. Do the voters see it? Yes. But it isn't necessarily one that taught everybody it's part of the natural conversation. But if I'm Conference USA, there's also other teams right now up there. You've got UTEP at three and one. They're 10 and three overall. Florida International, they sit at three and one. They are eight and five. Charlotte at three and two. They are seven and seven overall. That was a team that a lot of people had thought would be at the top of Conference USA. But Middle Tennessee, not necessarily a surprise, under the radar and making a lot of waves, even in the top 25. All right, now. One of the best scores in the nation is at a mid-major. We see it every single year. But let's go back out east and let's go to that to the Colonial Athletic Conference. You've got the Drexel Dragons. They sit at 4-0 and so far this year, 12-3 and overall. Now, they lead the league in team defense. They've got a plus 6.8 turnover margin and one of the best scores in the nation. Keisha Washington, she's averaging almost 28 points a game on the year. The 5'7 grad student today on Monday, January 9th, named for the third time this season, the Colonial Player of the Week. So this is a Drexel squad. They are stacked. They've got an opportunity to continue to win games and put themselves in the position that we talked about earlier of wanting to be in that spot where you can continue to be people and to Position yourself for your postseason and that conference postseason tournament. The Missouri Valley. We mentioned a couple of the players that have stood out to us. Players like Destiny Wells from Belmont or Caitlin Young from Murray State. Well, they actually happen to be two of the new teams in the Missouri Valley. I think Belmont got what they probably thought was almost a must win, so to speak, just to keep themselves in the driver's seat at the top of the league. They beat UNI over the weekend on Sunday, 67 to 61. UNI had been undefeated at the time, but now you've got six teams that sit at three and one. Drake, Illinois State, Missouri State, Northern Iowa, Belmont, and Southern Illinois. So it is stacked. It is going to be a logjam, I think, all year in the Missouri Valley. And one of the reasons is because this is such a great women's basketball conference from their fan support. There is not a place that is easy to play in the Missouri Valley. You're going to see outstanding crowds, raucous places, great women's basketball environments. If you go to Belmont and Murray State, who are just joining from the Ohio Valley, or you've got to go on the road to Missouri State with its huge, long tradition of outstanding women's basketball, or if you've got to go to Drake or Southern Illinois that's had last year the reigning regular season champions at Southern Illinois. Illinois State, they won the conference tournament last year, got themselves to the NCAA tournament. And we talked to Coach Gillespie and hear talk about her squad. All they want is just, they got the taste. They want to get back to it. Well, they're positioning themselves and you've got to be able to play your best basketball towards the end of February and headed into March. You want that automatic bid. You've got to play right when they go to Hoops in the Heartland in Moline, Iowa for the Missouri Valley in March. So keep your eyes over there at the Missouri Valley. Now, we haven't talked much about what's going on in the middle of the country, so let's mosey on down south and go into the WAC. And one team that really has always striked me, and it's been a consistent winner of of a program, is Stephen F. Austin. 
They right now two and one in the WAC. They are 12 and three overall in the season. Now their first loss in conference play just came over the weekend. It was 74 to 70. They lost at Grand Canyon University, but this is three players averaging double figures, great balance from the scoring perspective, and they score almost 80 points a game. So part of this is not only being able to get up and down and score points, but they also look to defend and they stop people. And we mentioned earlier, and sometimes you feel like a broken record, but one of the pieces of this puzzle for Stephen F. Austin this year is being able to have that experience. And they have that. Their leading scorer is Ayanna Johnson. She's a 6'3 forward and a grad student. So it's the older players, experienced rosters, veteran teams, all of that understanding what you're going to see night in and night out. And I think that's what's happening at Stephen F. Austin. Keep your eyes on them. I like what the Lumberjacks have. I think it's the balance, putting themselves in the right position at the right time. Now, today, Monday, January 9th, it is also going to be the end of the college football season. And that is sad for me and for so many other people out there. Basketball is a number one. College basketball is a number one for me, but it also is tonight is the national championship, the college football playoff national championship. It's a big 12 SEC matchup. You've got the reigning national champions of the Georgia Bulldogs and the underdogs of TCU, Texas Christian and the Horn Frogs coming out of the big 12. I think it's going to be a fantastic game, but really what it is, it's also an awesome showcase, awesome showcase of college sports. We talk about college basketball here every week, and we talk about players and coaches and everything in between. But to be able to put something like that on a national stage, which we'll see in March when March Madness and the NCAA tournament is here for us, it is, it's so fun to watch. And so I will miss college football until next fall, but tonight should be a great matchup. I'm not going to tell anybody who I'm rooting for, um, but I do love an underdog. All right, everyone, I want to thank you uh, for joining us here on Locked on Women's Basketball today. I know we threw a lot of information at you and a lot of different players and coaches and programs to keep an eye on. But yeah, it is early January, and we've got to know that there's still going to be a lot of basketball left to play. There's a lot of road trips. There's a lot of snowstorms. There's a lot of things that people are going to encounter injuries, sickness, it's all going to be part of the equation as to how these teams not only start in January, but how they finish at the end of February into March and into their conference tournaments. You can find me at Missy Hydrick on Twitter and then all of my amazing colleagues, as I said before, you want to follow us at The Next Tubes and this podcast at Locked On WBB. And please go to www.thenexthoops.com. All of our colleagues do a great job of covering all the conferences, players, coaches, and all of the stories that you want to know. And please join me here on Mondays because we talk everything about college hoops and come back all this week for more episodes on Lockdown Women's Basketball, college basketball news, international basketball news and notes, the moves across the WNBA. It is coming, including head coaching hirings and changes in front offices, assistance being added. We've got you covered all across the board. Thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen today. Now make your second listen, game two, game two, game. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game to game covers every game from across your favorite professional league and college conference with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow game to game on, on the Lockdown Network, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, 
and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you everybody for joining us today. I appreciate it. We will see you back here next week. And remember, for everything you need about women's basketball, find it here on Lockdown Women's Basketball and at the next hoops. Until next time, have a great day.